You are hanging with us for episode 30 of the Rocky Talkie podcast. I am your host, Rocky Riccatoni. We are recording right here on a beautiful night here in the north end of Hamilton. And I am hanging out with local legend, Jay Dworsky. How's it going, man? Good, buddy. Jay, you are the mastermind and the brain trust and the uh, proprietor of the local skate shop. I am. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Of course, Appreciate man. It. We're neighbors now. We are. Yeah. Um, so I was just saying to you before we pressed record and, uh, and just to listen to or for our listeners, I noticed your shop when it was originally on John Street and um, I got the impression really quick that it was a it was a magnet joint where you were collecting and drawing uh, young cats that, that are into skating culture and you had built this kind of cultural center where I just, I, it was clear to see that you were the spot to go to, to hang, to buy good gear, and that um, you had this kind of unofficial stamp of approval from legitimized skaters who live the life, and it's like, this is the spot to go to. And then when I saw you moving on James Street and became a neighbor, I was really stoked that uh, a storied cultural joint, like a really great skate shop, was coming up on the hood. And um, you, how long have you been there now? Uh, since September 5th was our opening. September 5th. And how many years have you actually been doing it? Eight as a, of uh, April 5th. See, when I look at the shop and I get the feeling of looking at it, I feel like you've been around for like 20 years because it just had this like perfectly lived in, like, I don't know, vibe about it. Definitely designed. Yeah. Architected, thought through. <laughs> many years of working awesome. in the uh, industry with the shop and uh, other shops managing them. Uh, I just seen what was working. Okay. I've been skating almost 30 years. So wow. I've been to all different shops and uh, I kind of just collected things from everywhere and uh, things that I felt were important and, uh, and work for a shop and what it actually meant. It's not just skateboarding. It's right. You know, it's the art. Right. Of everything. Right. Now I'm a guy who's trying to like sound like I know what I'm talking about when it comes to observing skate culture. I know virtually nothing about it. I know how to like kick, kick my board up when I'm done riding it. And that was like the Martin McFly trip. A trick that's it but i do know when i see culture and i do know when i see something that looks um looks right and and definitely you can tell that you've curated a vibe and uh you were intentional about that whole thing um but let's go like before the, we start talking about the local you said 30 years as a skater that's commitment and uh i've also learned that especially when you see when you see like older dudes and, and gals in California in their fifties, sixties, these like <clears throat> aging, but very cool original skateboarding guys. And they have not relented from their love affair with the board. They're still doing it. It's like a lifelong thing. It's not a teenage thing. Like you guys are committed and you stick with it. That's, that's it, wild. It's definitely a lifestyle. Yeah. It's like, uh, I always say you catch the bug. What is the lifestyle? It's multiple different lifestyles. Um, I always kind of, it's high school, it's groups and factions, but right. it's just, everybody's amalgamated as one. We all have a common respect. Like back in the day, you'd be on a bus. If you seen somebody with a pair of shoes that were a skate brand right. or skate shoes, you'd automatically have that connection and you just look at each other wow. and just be like, what up? Like, like passing a Harley and a Harley. Exactly. Wow. Same thing. Same thing. How, how, uh, how was that cult? You can go ahead and snap that open, man. It's uh, all long form here. We get a lot of disturbances in the shop here. Um, how do you think that was cultivated? Because there's so many, there's so many ways something like that can go wrong with, with, uh, gang mentality and, and street, uh, 
street mentality where like turf and, and allegiances and all that stuff. But how, how has that, I'm not even going to say it's a fringe movement because skateboarding is definitely not fringe, but not everybody does it. But how has something like that cultivated such a respect for each other doing that thing? That's a multi-layer question. Hit me. That's why you're here. It's a multi-layer question. So there's always politics behind it, and most people don't see or hear it, and that comes even yeah. within skateboarding. Um, I think that you know, there's, uh, I won't say names, but in L.A., there's, there's a really famous skater, and he came from the gang background. So it's like everybody's touched from that. Like uh-huh. Skateboarding kind of like pulls people out of the situation that they're in, and it's kind of like that you have that time where you just don't think of anything other than skating. So you could be a band member, you could be a gang member, you could be all walks of life, rich, poor, it doesn't matter. But once you find that skateboard, it's like, that's the common ground. Wow. Um, but definitely like the politics of it all is, you know, there's so much going on that people don't even understand. It's just like business. It's sure. just like you're a cafe and there's multiple cafes and how do you get along and, and all that kind of stuff. So, so it's nuanced. It's definitely, it's definitely a thing that I learned over the years of, you know, from the streets to skateboarding, uh, to business. It's like you learn and you make mistakes. So I feel like I'm at that point, which I'm assuming you are too, where you just figured it out and, and people are always trying to figure it out. So there's this, there's this organic rite of passage that takes years to fully understand the scope of the, of the culture. It's insane. It's Man. like studying. It's like going to college. Like, dude, I didn't go to college. My my university degree is in skateboarding and the yeah, culture of right, skateboarding. Right. So, music, arts, photography, filming, uh, editing. I love that because I always say I got a PhD in like customer service. Like, it's it's. I grew up in a hair salon. So, yeah, that's that. So when I had um, Peter Gosling on, I don't know if you were mutual. I don't know if you're friends with him or yeah. Maybe yeah, you're, yeah. That was the first like inkling I got about how deep the culture. Rule, like unspoken rules and etiquettes can go in in the skating world, and and, and it was like, wow, I've never heard that, I've never thought about that, and I know nothing about that. But he was like, no, 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 when you're new to a skate park, you don't do all your best tricks. He called it flexing in the space, or you know, yeah. you kind of just hang out, hang back. Park do, hero, we call them park heroes. Park hero, okay. Yeah. And you just kind of like keep yourself and do your own thing and wait to kind of get blended in and become welcomed by it. So it it feels like a, like a, like a motorcycle club kind of thing. It's like, it's like you're a prospect and then you get molded in and I wouldn't go as far as that. I know there is some like serious, serious, uh, skate groups that are like that. Right. Um, I know like Jack's that's like a a West coast thing, but they're all over everywhere. Skateboarding, like bands, kind of like the punk rock side of uh, things, but like, like, you just don't like get into something like that. Right. Skateboarding is like you're accepted because you're trying to skate. It doesn't matter what level it is. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, there's, there's skateboarding as a whole. You can go to another park if you have a problem. Right. Right. So there's, so there's a, is there an instant respect that you just see someone even trying it and going, man, I, I respect that he's even trying it. Is, is there, is there that much of an open door? Or there, I, there's, uh, it's like anything you're going to have, like you're going to have yeah. like dicks that are going to yeah. be like, you know, just like in high school, anywhere sure. else, it doesn't matter. Sure. But there's rules. So you're supposed to be welcoming. That's it. Okay. So, it doesn't matter. Like, so I'm going to, I'm kind of already all over the place. I wanted to kind of sequence this out, but I'm, but this is good because I'm, I'm liking what I'm hearing and I want to kind of keep making these little camps here. So I don't know, man, if you can give me like three 
top basic starting point rules? What, what, but what do those look like? Um, if you want to get into skateboarding, yeah. definitely the first thing you need to do is either, you know, I would say do research, okay. um, go online and find a local shop around you. That's generally it. If you can't do that, even just try to go to a, a skate park. But some people are so concerned of like how they're not that good that they won't even go to a skate park. And I encounter that all the time. That scares the crap out of me, the they're idea like, of I that. just go to a parking lot. Yeah. I just go somewhere else. But you're going to learn when wow. you go to a skate park. Like that is like the biggest thing. For me, I'm not a massive skate park guy. I like the streets. So, and, and kind of since I was like 16, 17, I just wanted to film. I always had a camera in my hand. So we were always making movies. So that was kind of my thing. Um, so especially being older in business, like my time is best spent working on a video or something like that. I've been really trying to get back to the cool. park um, just to be able to kind of just let loose and not really take it so serious. Okay. So rule number one is, number is a good one. starting point and yeah. find a good local. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I would definitely say um, number two is, Talk to people. Yeah. That is the biggest thing because you have to talk to people to figure out where the best thing is, what's the best thing for you, what's cool, what brands are are cool, yeah. uh, what should I do. Um, so just talking to people, you'll start to kind of get a group. Like there's always groups and like um, of skaters within the skate park. So it's like you know you could have like the artistic side, and then you could have like the dudes that are smoking joints and drinking beers. And then you have the serious skaters, you have like different age groups, even just like, um, uh, like generally Beasley is a prime example. Like everybody knows each other. Everybody says hi, but like, you can't just walk in there and just, you know, you gotta like go in slow. Wow. So definitely talking to people, number two and number three, getting into skateboarding, I would say, um, I would say, uh, hop online, do some research for sure. That's so research, find a skate, uh, a good skate shop and hit a skate park and find some friends, find some people, make wow. conversations. And that's kind of going to get you into learning. Cause if you just go online, buy a board, yeah. hang out at the curb, yeah. you're not going to excel like as fast as you're going to be able to like the saying, it's like, you want to get better at something, you got to hang around people that are better than you. Dude, it's so funny. Just by being in your shop a couple of times, it's amazing how much I gleaned from it. And, I, and I'm, I'm kind of repeating myself, but just through the osmosis of being around you and, and your staff and the people that keep coming in, I'm like, this is not, this is not some like happenstance hobby. This is like a, this is a cultural thing and it's funny how much i've 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 changed my perspective of it like my son asked for a skateboard last week nice and because of my time with you and however short it's been i'm like okay i'm, I'm not gonna pass on this i'm not gonna i'm not gonna glaze over this request this could become something and he may be doing this in 20 years from now it like it's not just it's not just a thing the biggest thing that i think that the answer you've been looking for is it's not actually about skateboarding. Hit me. It's that's good. It's actually about bonding with people and going to a show or going right. to a restaurant or going to a thrifting spot right. or going on a trip, go camping. Like you go to a skate park and you meet these people or you're, or you go street skating in Toronto and you see groups of people filming and all around the street and then you link up and what's up. So community. 
it's community. That's man. I love it. That's a strict, that's it. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. I mean, and if you were to like press me, I'm like, yeah, it's about, it's about community, but it's, uh, I think that's, that was the biggest thing I was missing. That was the gap. It's like, no, it's more than that. You mentioned skate park skaters, street skaters. Is there a definitive, I mean, obviously there's the obvious thing. One's in a park, one's on the street, but is there an attitude an aesthetic, uh, a talent scope to be either of those guys? No, there's no difference. Okay. It's just some people feel maybe more comfortable at a skate park. Uh, maybe they just, you know, they just don't care to go in the streets. Some people uh, use it as an escape. Like a lot of people use it as an escape, especially younger kids. Yeah. Um, whether it's a positive escape or a negative escape, um, going skating is positive. So right. um, they just want to go out for a couple hours. They want to go to the, the skate park. That's it. That That's on them. Um, when you go to the street, it's it's different because it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. You get kicked out. Mm-hmm. You are damaging things. Like these are kind of like the things. It's like a graffiti artist. It's more gorilla. Like it's, you, it's, yeah. it's like a, it's a it's a lifestyle on its own. Right. Um, and it's the uh, the artistic side behind it. Like even how you film or you shoot a photo. It's like you're using the background as well. So it's like. Mm like a curb or handrail could be the same one, but if it's at a different spot, it's going to be way more popular. Right. Like, so I don't know. I appreciate both, but street is definitely where it's at. And I did, when I grew up, I didn't have skate parks. Right. Where did you grow up? Uh, so I was born in Hamilton yeah. and then I moved away when I was like seven. I went like Port Dover, Jarvis, Brantford, Woodstock, Barry, Aurelia. Okay. And then back when I was 20. So when I was really like getting into it, I was like 14 and Barry and I had to go like, an hour out to Lafroy, um, and they had like wooden ramps, but like even in Barry didn't have a skate park. Interesting. Um, filming that takes me back to like mid to late nineties and like the movie kids and then, uh, CKY and, and then CKY turning into elements of jackass. To me, I feel like that mid to late nineties aesthetic and vibe was a really special time for skating. Well, uh, it's back though. And it is back in a big way. It's back. Um, you've been doing this 30 years, so you can probably chronologically break down eras of skating from, from clothing to, to, you know, vibe to even the boards and the decks that you're, you know, and the, the wheels and the trucks that you guys are using. Can you give me an example of, for you, what a sweet spot time was for you as for skating culture that you were a part of and, and why? I, I think right now is the best time. Yeah. It's the best it's ever been. It's the best time. Why? Because it's like, it's an open, it's just open. Everything goes. All types of skating is in. Um, due to COVID, um, right. parks were closed down. Um, people were skating their, their curbs. When we were young, we had a curb in front of our house. Yeah. You wax it. That's back. So curb skating is huge right now. So Jeez. it's like curb skating, um, skate park, street, like 90s boards, 80s boards, right. uh, old uh, Powell boards, like all the new stuff that's going on, graphite, uh, carbon fiber boards, um, the the tech that they're putting into trucks now, it's like, this is the best time for skateboarding. For me, obviously, and everybody will say who's been a diehard longtime skater is going to be when they're 13 to 17. Right. Because you, you know, you probably didn't have a job. uh, And if you did, it was like, you didn't really, like it wasn't like you're you're committed to paying bills, right? Mm. So, you kind of just lived. 
Well, so what year, so you're 13 to 17. What year was that? And what era was that for you? Uh, that would have been touching the early 2000s, late. Like okay. now, I was, one of my sayings, like back in 98. So like 98 right. was the year. Yeah. And music, if you yeah. look at any, yeah. any song, 98 was the year. Um, so 98, 97 to like 2002 was definitely like have, the pinnacle almost in skateboarding. Yes, that's, that's what I was saying. It, it has a very indelible imprinting in my mind from the fashion to the music to like my cousins were heavy into skating. So it's like, I have this really warm fond fondness of that time. And for me, when I think of skating, that's where my mind goes. Um, where do I want to go with this? So how, what was the first moment where you're like, I want to get into skating. I, was it an aha moment or was it a natural thing where you saw some cat like in your neighborhood? Like, Oh, I want to do that. I had an aha moment, but that was like years later. So, I was probably five. Wow. And my neighbor had an old school board and we were just like bum. We were just bum riding. Right. Yeah. Um, just, just riding down like the driveway. And then probably six, seven um, at my grandma's house, my uncle had his old seventies board. Nice. So like, there's just like a, like a metal pole that holds up the house. Yeah. And we just whip around that. Me, my brother and myself. Um, so that was like when I was first getting into it. Okay. Um, and then I think I was, probably 12 the craziest story of like how i really got into skating was um grade six mm -hmm. i played pogs i was nice. really i was really good at it okay. so i won a lot of pogs and there's this kid that had uh hockey cards and i knew my hockey cards because my whole life my dad bought me hockey cards so i, I traded all my pogs for um like uh, Mario Lemieux rookie card, Doug, Doug Gilmore rookie card, and a couple other OPG uh, rookie cards. So OPG. I knew they were worth money. So I was probably like 11, 12 at that time. And then I moved to Dover and I sold those cards and I bought my first board. Nice. Yeah. So I, and then I, I like hustled, I like hustled uh, like a crappy deck. And then um, I remember I just sat there for like two hours in this, it was called Beach Kings in Port Dover. And I just sat there and I was just there for like two hours. And then my mom came in and she's like, uh, she was talking to the guy and the guy's like, he's a natural at this, mm. like even the gift of gab of talking. So that like even hanging at skate skate shop, like that was kind of it. So then when I moved to Barry, it was like, I was probably 13, 14. I yeah. was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I'm either going to work construction or I'm going to be in the skateboarding industry, whether I was a pro or not. That's amazing, man. But I knew at around like 13, 14, like that's all I was going to do. So the board imprinted on you. And that's, that's the age of my son. He's five when, when he asked about the board. So I'm yeah. like, yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm genuinely intrigued by this. Like this is, this is a real thing. Um, what, was the, what was your first board worth mentioning? I'm kind of confused of, of all of like exactly timeline. But like that, when I bought the used board off a kid for 10 bucks... That was uh, that was a world industry wet willy flambeau limited okay. edition, um, but I also I think right after it I got a, a birdhouse Drew Barrymore fire starter birdhouse so, um, with grind kings on it. So I think that was my second one, and then I can't remember, but I know my uncle gave me like a blank kamikaze deck. Okay. Um, so that might have been like my third board, um, but it was all relatively within like a year or so. 
So the, the filming aspect and, and the, 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 the grainy camcorder vibe is just as much of an aesthetic that's kind of coming back as much as the bucket hat is and, and, and skating in general. In the 80s, we had camcorders, but it was the 90s that, I, mean, I think it was probably by virtue of the fact that they were smaller and more portable and had better quality. But what, what was it about the 90s that kicked off this movement of documenting and it becoming just as much of a part of the culture as the board you were, you were riding and the pants you were using. So, so basically when I said the two thousands was my time, like my favorite time, that was like a positive time because it was street skating was like in 10 years, right? It was 10, 15 years at that point. But like when the transition from old school to new school from like 89 to 91, right. And the board started actually becoming new school. Um, I wasn't quite there yet. Okay. Um, and that was a, a difficult time for people because a lot of people lost jobs, lost, lost their pro careers. So that was like a dark time, hmm. even though street skating was like just starting in like 90, like 89 to 90, give or give or take a year or two. Um, so that being said, you got, you got like street skating is a, they started like the style of the baggy pants and everything like that. And like, for me, I probably I'd say 94 to 95 is kind of when I was in, like, that's when I kind of was, was getting into it. Um, years later for me, wearing baggy pants was only because I took them from my dad. (laughs) And I think that that was kind of how it was for everybody. Nobody was like, yo, like, cause street skating, you need a little, like, I feel you need room. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know so much about like vert, but, um, Basically, that whole phase was like, kind of like budget. That, right. That's what it was. So even the cameras, it was budget. It was like whatever you get from your parents. Right. So like I remember taking my my stepdad's camera and a hundred foot extension cord and filming oh. with people. Oh, an like, extension cord. Yeah. Amazing. With the hundred foot extension cord and filming like on my board while following the person. Wow. So you only had so much room to do a line, which is insane. That is insane. That that's that's a level of commitment and 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 a love affair with something that you're you're willing to be attached to a cord to document something. It's funny you mentioned the the functionality of like the baggy pants. Like, I read an interview with uh, Francis Bean Cobain talking about how everybody copied her father's style, and he was like, that was because he was broke, and he went to Valley Village and he found jeans that had holes in them, or like, uh, you know, hip hop with with the pants and how they how low they the low riding pants, like that came from the fact that they were passed down from older brothers because they had to share everything. And, and it suddenly became Same. the mainstream thing. Yep. And so it's a similar, similar echelon there. Crazy within the culture that that's the way it works. Yeah. But that is the way it works. What was, do you, I was talking about that like twice this week. Like it wasn't cause we were trying to be cool. Cause we had baggy pants. At least that wasn't for me. Right. It was cause I just took my stepdad's jeans wow. and that was it. And then we had a shoelace and that's like iconic. So what do you mean by the shoelace? Shoelace, iconic. It's basically because your pants are too big, you'd uh, take a shoelace, yeah, and that's your belt. Wow. And when you're jumping down stuff, if you have a belt, and I'm a male, if I go too low and I get impact, that will cut something. Right. So a shoelace is a little softer. <laughs> so you learn that. So I think so. I, I copy. I follow Hall of Meat, which documents real gnarly wipeouts with skaters. Um, and I always think about the, what's the word? The inherent hazard and pain in wipeouts that come with the decision to skateboarding. Oh yeah. 
or just like going over the edge of a wall and going down that wall at that speed. Yeah. Can you talk about the entry level thing of conquering that dragon of fear and just going for it and being okay with getting concussed or breaking your teeth? Like what, how do you, how do you get beyond that? There's many ways to do that. (laughs) Some of it's beer. Some of it's drugs. (laughs) Okay. Um, Some of it is talent. Yeah. Um, But everybody's got their thing. And it takes years of like getting to that level. Like when you're skating at age 12 to 14, you're jumping down a four set. Yeah. So then you get, you know, even with like our riders, I always say like developing riders, like that's a whole nother topic. Mm -hmm. But like it's, you know, you cap a clip at, you know, a six set or an eight set. I don't know anything you're saying right now. So cap a clip, you're filming basically. Okay. Okay. Okay editor terms right? right so you're, you're gonna film a clip right and they're gonna do say kickflip down like an eight set okay and an eight set is eight stairs okay i'm learning man eight stairs okay so basically we're filming a video mm-hmm. so you have to have like a baseline so the baseline like there's a method to the madness so your baseline when you're starting like like every year or two or whatever the project is it's like we're allocating clips to these projects so you, you have to have a baseline you have to start somewhere so the guy goes and kickflips an eight set now he has to kickflip something bigger okay okay so he's one upping and that's how it goes when you're young it's like you start on a four set and then okay. you're like oh i'm gonna go ahead a six set baby steps exactly and you do that for like five ten years some people can excel very quickly um and some people take longer to to do it i want to circle back to that statement you said in passing five to ten years like that that right there is so indicative of the commitment and time it takes to be good yeah i mean of course in anything right but it's it's i think i i I keep coming back to this at you know at the the point of nauseam but we just see a kid on a skateboard and we think he's just a kid on a skateboard there's just so much more going on there um man it's fascinating what, what is your favorite aspect about the culture? I love the fact that it's turned into literally multiple careers for you. You mentioned to me like a month ago that you're into editing and you do filming and, and you do design work and you own a retail space and you still, uh, you still skate and you're developing skaters and you've got this whole thing. That's incredible to me that you made that decision at five unbeknownst to yourself and it's still paying dividends not right now. five i would say 12 to 14 still but uh basically my dad was a hard worker okay hard worker so no matter what that was instilled in me so yeah. i knew at probably younger than even 14 i knew my dad had me on a roof banging in nails into bundles at like five six so wow i knew that you had to work Period. And I know that if I wanted to do this, that I had to learn every single aspect Mm. of the business. Mm. So whether it's manufacturing skateboards, it's um, filming, editing, um, graphic design, everything that comes into it, throwing events, um, customer service, building a website. I built multiple websites. It's you have to, as a business owner, in my opinion, at least attempt, Mm -hmm. especially funds like it's not it's not cheap to do this kind of stuff so i have to in my in my opinion i have to try i have to learn it because if i do hire somebody i have to see what level right. i was at compared to the, what they were right. at. 
So that's the only reason I do all these things. Dude, I have so much respect for you, man. Like, cause it, you, you fly so low under the radar because what you represent is a, is a, is a recreational laid back pastime. Maybe not laid back, but it's, it's attached to something that is for many people a pastime. And what's really cool about your shop is you've managed to do the, have this tension of you have a bottom line, you have inventory, you have prices, you have a back, back end, but it feels incredibly relaxed in there. And when these kids come in, it just feels like they're coming over to your house. How intentional is that? It's, it's, it's intentional, but it's not intentional. It's just who we are. And, yeah. and no matter what, it's an experience. And it's, it's also an escape, whether they buy something or not. It, right. doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's they're coming here to see us. But that's what I mean. It, it's like, it's like it's a, it may be a retail space, but that, I guess that's my point is I was like, I don't, it, I don't think it matters. Like if someone, it's a vibe though. That's it what, is a vibe. That, that's what it is though. It's a vibe. Yeah. I'm the owner. I'm, I'm the one who makes the rules. Yeah. And if we want to blast music or yep. we want to do certain things, we're going to do that. And then people walk into that and they get not caught off guard, but almost like joy of like, damn, like this is sick. Yeah. It's not like, you know, I, I have love for the mall shops. If it wasn't for the mall shops, a lot of people wouldn't have access to the knowledge of even a skateboarding existed. Sure. And then they end up coming to us anyways, or they send us business, but they can't make decisions like we make. Right. You so, have autonomy. Exactly. Yeah. So, and it's, I'm not going to change for anybody. Like I'm a skater. Mm-hmm. I was, I was raised in this and um, it's just, that's just the way it is. That's I, I also love people too. So I make it, I get it from my grandpa. I make it my job to, mm-hmm. to make sure people are happy. Who who was your grandpa? Who how, what what did he do and how did he glean? How did you glean that from him? So the Dworsky family's been uh, doing business in Hamilton for about eighty years. My wow. my great grandfather had a um, had a, um, uh, a mechanic shop. Okay, so that was over by Stony Creek uh, Eastgate, where like the one car dealership is. Yep, um, and then. Uh, so that was like, yeah, 80 years. Um, my grandpa was in the army. Um, one of the best dudes still alive. 93. Wow. Like, uh, uh, World War II. Uh, he, he, no, he, um, he was a mechanic as well, I believe. Okay. Uh, and we do like, um, he drive like certain, um, like vehicles and stuff like that. And like, uh, from like certain places. Yep. And then he was a mechanic with my great grandfather. Wow. Uh, and then I believe he went to, um, like uh, at some point, um, knife sharpening blocks in in one of the Hamilton factories. So, and that's what he was doing forever. So you've got like hardworking grit, yeah, in like, the Steel City, yeah, yeah. Like the the whole family. And my dad was a framer for like thirty five years. Amazing. Built a lot of houses around here. So you come by it naturally, yeah. So your grandfather though that had this impact on you. What what, what were the, some of the attributes that you like? You he was just like the best dude, like. I played hockey my whole life in lacrosse and like I, I can remember being in the, the room before a game and there's my grandpa with like a pocket full of candy, like you know, <laughs> hooking up all the kids. Nice. And he was just that dude, always pepperettes, kibasa, just always hooking it up. Man after my own heart. Always hooking it up. Yeah. The nicest dude. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a big piece of my heart. Right on. I, I do anything for him. That's amazing. And he's 93. 
yeah, maybe even turned 94. Oh, man. Like, so, I, I don't know if he's 94 or 93. Now, did I see on your socials a picture of your, you, your dad, and, and him yeah, in front of your shop? Yeah that, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, he's a G. Super funny, too. Yeah. Yeah, he always carving up fools. What's the back? Is that Polish background? Eastern? Eastern? Uh, yeah, Polish-Romanian. Okay. Yeah. Dude, you're a local treasure, and I'll tell you why. Um, everything that you have mentioned and that you are building your business and brand on is is rare because you you fire on multiple pistons. Like you can just have a you can just have retail, you can just represent something, but you're good with people, you enjoy people, you uh are a thoroughbred in skating. Like you know you know what you're repping. You have all these things happening at the same time and I hope people realize that about the local because that's you either got it or you don't. Like to be able to be a host to be able to know how to vet gear and retail products, to curate, to build a vibe, to position yourself economically on the right street, like that's a big deal. I do, I do think that I was in the right place at the right time. So talk to me about John Street. Sorry, finish what you were gonna say and then I wanna hear about the transition from John to James. Right, right place, right time, yeah. my age. Yeah. Social media. Yeah. There's a lot of great shops out there and they're, they're not doing so well. And it, and you know, unfortunately it has a lot to do with just the change of online, the change of social media, the change. And some people don't want change. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about reinventing myself in, in forms that I have to, to do without even thinking about it because I'm willing to just try new things. If I fail, it, it is what it is. Adapt or die. It is what it is. It does. It doesn't matter. And I think that's life. Um, and some people are just are comfortable with where they're at. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm actually working through a documentary right now called the booksellers and it it talks about the last 96 booksellers in New York city. There used to be inside 400 at one time and now there's whittled down to less than a hundred and, uh, outside of the big conglomerates like Barnes and Noble chapters coming through, the biggest issue was them not being able to catch up with online and losing the foot traffic and the one-on-one Kind of thing. So I think Jeff it's Bezos. That too. That too. No comment. But but uh it's kind of similar to what you're saying. That there was there was a huge learning curve and uh there's a skateboarder learning her. Well, she almost bailed. Um every day. <laughs> anyway, I'm rambling, but it was it was about not being able to uh and, and also the the age median of these these older guys that just could not figure out the learning curve of online and they lost their shops. So now there's this this small thing here. But uh, no, I agree with you. Moving with the times, huge. You have to. Yeah. So John Street. Yep. Um, that was that was that was it, man. Yeah. Crazy. How how did you find John? Street? So what what was the deci- How did the decision come about for you to go? Okay, the next chapter of my life. I've been I've been skating. I've been working and doing all the stuff. Uh, it's time for my own shop. How did that happen? There was multiple ones. I, I don't want to go too in depth to it, yep. but basically, people who know know, and it's. It's not the time to say exactly why, but basically I worked for many shops mm-hmm. and I couldn't get to where I needed to be. It's like I jumped the wall mm-hmm. and, and the owners couldn't come with me. Whether it was financial, they didn't care, yep. or we're blocked, okay. like literally blocked from getting product. Like you can't get it because you're blocked. So that was a massive issue to start. Okay. Knowing that I was going to encounter that, I just pulled in all my favors 
and just went to all the shops that I knew, all my friends who owned shops, all the places, and and they basically backdoored me product. Right on. I bought a couple skate shops uh, inventory, um, but it was it was just due to a lack of what the community needed. And that was that was my motivation. That's why the name's called the local. Mm-hmm. Um, Great name. It's the local. It's yep. a skate local skate shop. Uh, so yeah, basically, um, that was that was my start to why I wanted to do that because there wasn't as many events going on. There wasn't things happening that that should have happened or was happening in previous times. Um, and I just I just think it's important. I come from like a, a hard like life like. I didn't have a lot of money. Um, a lot of people helped me out throughout my life, and uh, I just wanted to be there to make sure that uh, I could help and I could facilitate things where it's you know um, events, uh, donations. Like we, we have the community fridges. We always yeah. try to do shoe drives and stuff like that. Right like I I feel like that is is massive mm-hmm. uh, and brings the community together. So that was my big reasoning of doing it, and just. You know, like I said, like you can only go so far when it's not yours. You can't right. I'm autonomy, as you 100%. said. One hundred percent. So, what was the genesis of going from your first outing at John Street and landing here at James Street? How did that all go go down? We were going crazy because it was so small. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How small was it? Uh, it was technically about three hundred twenty square feet. That sounds like my new espresso bar. Yeah, that's tiny. Yeah, I yeah. do love tiny, but it can be really annoying at times if it's the wrong thing. So how did you find James Street? Um, so uh, basically, there's a spot by the cannabis store on John. Um, it used to be a fur place. Yes, I know it. Um, so that was where I was looking at. And basically, uh, I wanted to stay close by, but I did like how people could see it coming off of Maine. Right. Um, so I felt like that was good. I wanted to amalgamate all my businesses into one area, live, work. I have the manufacturing. I make the skateboards. Cool. I- there was like a, the fur uh, warehouse was in the back cement floor. Uh, so we could skate and, right in the winter time and uh, we could build the boards. Um, and the, the deal just didn't work out. It was like a three months, you know, back and forth and um, just the money. Yeah. You know. We spent 14 months paying rent to an empty space in this, new, in this new venture of ours because of so many things and we're finally getting open. So that waiting, waiting to find out things is, is a serious, serious well, the, per, the person that Adrian, who is my realtor, he owns I know him. Yeah. Uh, James Street. Yeah. Uh, he owns the place I'm at now. So basically he was like, hey, I have this spot. And like, I really wasn't interested. Um, I, I just didn't see it at, at first. And then I went back the second time and, I, and like even people around me, like don't go up that way. You know, there just wasn't a lot going on at, at that spot. Um, and then I was just like, you know, I have to make a move. Mm-hmm. If I don't make a move, like it's crazy. Right. Like it's like a warehouse in there. We have to undo a box to find something. And it, all, all of our workers were just like, our employees were, were just weren't having it. Like it was, it was too much. And then I kind of just had the vision. And I took a risk, just like I took a risk on John Street to uh, stay by the go and be like, yo, like awesome. this could work. Yep. Um, I just didn't know when the go was going to open up. And then bang, they announced like a month before we opened up that they're, the go stations up right on so your staff um what's your leadership style like when you're someone's in your employ and you have a bottom line and you have things that need to get done and yet you have this vibe of like it's 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 seems chill i don't know what it's like all the time but what is your leadership approach with um 
getting your staff to do what you need them to do and catch the vision? Well, it definitely, I've gr- as a, as like an owner, I've grown. Yeah, it's it's not an easy thing. Nope. Um, started off with uh, people working for free, um, just helping us out. Uh, then I remember uh, my good buddy Ro- uh, Robbie Ritchie. He was working for twenty bucks a day. Wow, twenty bucks a day. I'd, I'd hook him up with some stuff here yep. and there, try to get him lunch and stuff. But it wasn't every. He wasn't working like full time. <coughs> and then uh, it kind of just grew from there. And then it just grew and grew and grew and grew. Uh, leadership style, I've always said, nobody works for me. They work for themselves. Hmm. They're subcontracted. That They have their own thing. They have a certain thing that they have to do. They have to certain goals that we have to achieve as a group. But that's kind of been my thing. Like, I'm not your boss. I've never heard that before. Different way. Everything we do is different. Where did you get that from? Respect. Hmm. Respect of a person's mentality. If they're going to put five to 10 years into a company mm-hmm. that they're not going to want to hear me bitching that I'm your boss, do what you do. I pay you. And I've come from that. I've worked probably 50 different types of jobs. Wow, man. So I just, it doesn't work in my opinion. It just doesn't work because if you know that you're a subcontractor and you have a set of skills yep. that you can go get a job somewhere else. Now, with our business, which is great, is that there's 20 different jobs that you could be paid for. And if you're not happy or you're uh, burnt out from working at the skate shop, you can go to the manufacturing spot. You can, do, you can go to the printing place. You can print clothes. So mm. you learn these skills, just like I learned these skills. I learned these skills from multiple different jobs. So you, it's about teaching. Right. It's about having the ability to let a person know, like, hey, like you are your own boss. You make your own decisions based off of what your title is and mm-hmm. what jobs, you know, you need to accomplish. Has that worked for you? It, it's worked good. You take risk yep. on, on certain people, but like all in all, like great because you got to expect, like I always say, you're working with humans. Yeah. So you're always, there's always going to be something. It's always your biggest challenge. The, 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 the product's the easy part. It's the, yeah, it's the it's people. The, it's the humans. The culture, yeah. Uh, so you're big on mentorship, which I'm huge on. I, I love. Yeah. 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 What do you think, um, what do you think the average person gets wrong about skate culture? I mean, there's the obvious, right? It's just like everything else. Like when, when it becomes like, like pop culture, people are going to have certain ways. Yeah of looking at it, you know, not every skater smokes weed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. That's probably the biggest. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it's, it's, um, I think that it's becoming so, um, it's becoming way more like you don't have to skate to be a skater, which is crazy. There's people at the skate park that know more about skating than the average skater, but they don't skate. How how does that happen? Well, like, there's, there's multitudes. Rob Penrose, one of the greatest dudes of all time. You need 20 of them. Um, you know, he's not skating, like, every day. Right. But he knows more in skateboarding than anybody else. So it's like it's like a baseball. You're a very popular man. I don't know what is going on with my phone. Live, live radio. Um, so, go ahead, go ahead. Hey, uh, sorry, I'll call you uh, back on my... Just text me, okay? Somebody's car is parked in the handicap spot, and I don't think that's us, but okay. <laughs> See, this is the beauty of 
Okay, I'm going to... Folks, you're listening to a very real moment <laughs> where my guest is getting yelled at by somebody on the other end of the phone. I don't even own a car. No, you don't get... <laughs> okay, one second. No, go ahead, man. Uh, did you... You can have the conversation on the microphone. Make it... Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'll do it. Do hey, how's it going? Terrible. One of your cars is parked in my handicap spot. What What is uh, the car look like? It's a white... Um, Subaru. Oh, it's a white Subaru? Yep. Okay, yeah, sorry about that, but um, I don't know what you're talking about. We're closed, and I don't know anybody with a white Subaru, so, yeah. Well, it's got your local, it says a local skate shop. It has your advertisement all over it. Interesting. Can you go knock on the door and ask him? I think that might be my buddy, Kurt. Knock on what door? I'm on Beach Road. There's a lot of houses here. Oh, well, yeah, I it's not my car, man. So, yeah, sorry about that. Well, I'm going to call bylaw, and I'm going to have a ticket. Okay, yeah, no worries. Uh, I will um, text the person that you're talking about, but, uh, yeah, it's not mine. Uh, they're advertising for you, so. Yeah, I don't think that's illegal, though. What's that? I don't think that's illegal, though. It is illegal. Parking in my permit parking spot. Well, it's not illegal to advertise on a car. But it's not saying that's that. Not saying that's illegal. But it's one of your one of your your clientele or your people advertising for you. Okay. Who are doing things illegally? Okay. Cool. I will uh, text the person. You have a good day. Yep. I've had a lot of things happen while we were recording. That takes the cake. I mean, this is just an everyday. That thing. felt like Jerky Boys. Remember in the '90s, Jerky Boys with the prank calls? Yeah, I'm, I love that we got that on on tape. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, let me uh, text this guy. Well done. You handled that with with uh, calm restraint, my friend. Proof that you are a people person. <laughs> Way too much to get cheesed and uh, mad about. Man, that's a lesson that uh, that comes with after years of of uh, owning business as well. I wish, I wish eventually I can get like a live feed going so I can have people asking questions to ask the guests because in those moments where I'm watching you get yelled at by somebody, I could be collecting uh, I mean, uh, data from people. We could be potentially uh, go on the old Instagram. That's amazing. And we could... Uh, See, you're too popular, man. You got people, you got your swag attached to people's cars and they're just <laughs> repping you and you get, getting you yelled at while you're on a podcast. Ah, that's the way it goes, um, while you're while you're trying to get your friend to not get uh, booted and, and and ticketed there, uh, can you can you hit me with some gnarly uh, wipeouts you've had to endure and experience over your years of broke my teeth, smashed oh. my teeth out. Okay, what's that like? It sucked. How long ago? Uh, it was probably seventeen, eighteen. Oof! It was super fluke too. I smashed like all four front teeth out. Okay, now like it's a stupid it's a stupid question and a hazard to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You know, it's your teeth. It's it's. I, how much pain? Where's the pain being felt in that injury? The pain wasn't bad, but I cut my lip right. pretty bad. Like the teeth were fine. Like Oof. they were smashed out, but it wasn't really that bad. How uh, did you handle the the shock and awe of that kind of a? I just uh, I played lacrosse since I was like so. You're three tough. Three or four, like yeah. I got my whole head tattooed. Oof. Pain yeah, is true. like a different level. True. Me. Okay, so the, the skateboarding thing is an obvious. Uh, 
thing, you know, you're, you're, you're the skateboard guy, but there's so much more to all of us than just kind of what we do for a living. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's, ta- I know it's taken up a huge amount of real estate in your life, but you know, I'm more than a chef. I'm a musician, yada, yada, yada. Um, can we, can we talk about some of the other shades of Jay and what other things that you, that you do, that you're passionate, things that you've come through, things that have basically kind of galvanized you as who, as the man that I'm talking to right now? Uh, definitely snowboarding as of the last like four or five years. Really? I've snowboarded since pretty much I started around like the same time. Like I think when I hit Barry, like obviously not the same time, but when I'm uh, probably about like 13. Okay. So a long time. And I stopped for 10 years when I moved back to Hamilton and then... Um, uh, a homie uh, moved uh, back from BC to Hamilton and uh, kind of got me back in and I never got a chance to film like an actual full length part for snowboarding so I just actually finished that it took me uh, five years what? so the, this October we have a, the first full length snowboarding video from an Ontario shop in 20 years wow and it took me four years to four or five years to film my part oh man do, do you do edit your own content and everything too? yeah Man, you're a busy guy, dude. Are you getting yelled at again? No. I've come to love long silences on recordings because it just there's it just works. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I muted my phone, and I don't even know how this is even coming through. Maybe just put it on. Uh, did not disturb. Beach Road, eh? People, people listening right now, all over the world. Um, I hope you've come to appreciate what happens when you record live and don't edit and you do long form and you record on a street like James street. It's anything can happen. And so far every other episode, something happens. That was my favorite one. Yeah. Getting my guests get yelled at. Um, COVID crazy. Nobody wants to talk about it, but I I have to, I'd be remiss not to ask a a fellow business owner uh, how you navigated that. It was amazing. Yeah? Yeah. I'll I'll tell you what. We we made, I I say this humbly, because a lot of my friends didn't make it in in food, but because of our model and because of us doing breakfast and brunch pretty much exclusively, that's that's people's creature comfort. So, like, there were times where we did better in COVID than we did not in COVID. Um, Bike shops did amazing. Yep. It was amazing because of what we had to go through. Explain. The experience that we, like, uh, my As girlfriend it, and myself, okay. there's so much bad that happened. But to know how we transitioned, how hard we worked, mm-hmm. and to see what came out of it, mm-hmm. and even just as a whole, it was insane. Clearly, a lot of people suffered from yes. it. So we did our best to uh, facilitate making sure that, that we helped. Um, we just... We watched the news. We kind of seen it coming, and we just made some certain decisions. And um, uh, we seen that bike stores uh, obviously were were opened uh, in uh, London. So mm-hmm. obviously, we're like, okay, yeah, like you know, trans uh, transportation and stuff like that. So it made sense to keep going. Um, I I took a day to say, are we going to close down? Am I going to get government money? Hmm. But I was like, I'm just I'm not risking that. I can't like I, I have to work. I couldn't sit still. Um, so right away, once the, the masks came out yeah. um, and we started seeing like mandated masks, um, we were printers. So we figured, Hey, that's mm. cool. Mm. Uh, graphic masks. Let's work with bands, local artists. And uh, we fundraised, I think 
it, it had to have been in the thousands and thousands of masks we donated to hospitals, uh, safe injection sites. Wow, man. Uh, we also took the money and we bought a lot of like um, full shield masks for all of the hospitals. Um, so you got you give a shit, eh? You got a big heart. I mean, it's just something you're supposed to do. It's that's it. But forget COVID. I, I, I mean, not, not forget COVID, but, uh, but I get that. But I'm just getting the sense from you that the, the the main driver in you is you got heart. Yeah. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it's like I got so much help throughout, mm-hmm. throughout my life. Mm-hmm. So you got to give it back. Yeah. I see you uh, talking to a lot of the homeless folk that are hanging out here. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of proximity, they're very close to where you are. But I think if I was a gambling man, I would say that it's more, more than that for you. Do you have a, a care and a concern for your fellow man that you see kind of down on their luck? I mean... There's there's so much to the situation, mm-hmm. and like I partied a lot, so I knew that if I would have went a little bit to the right, mm-hmm. I was fucked. Right. So I knew that I could have been that, mm-hmm. and I had friends that were that. So and I'm just like I'm a people person, mm-hmm. but I'm also like a non. I'm an, uh, I don't take bullshit, and and when I talk to them, they know that I'm I'm coming at a, an angle that is sincere and that. I'm showing that I care, but I'm not going to be like, yo, you're smoking stuff. Like you can't do that. The kids are around here. Right. But at the same time, it's like, I can hold a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and just feel like, make them feel like that. Somebody cares. That's awesome. One of these days I want to, I might as well say it in front of everybody. I, I, I want to get some of the best chefs in the GTA and find a way to put on, a chef driven night where we're, we're showing these people we're lavishing on them. I think that'd be a cool concept. And I, I think that'd be sick yeah. to see, to let them come to like a f- five star. Absolutely. And, and, and treat them like, yeah. And you know, they got thousands and thousands of dollars to spend on a plate. Yeah. And it's, but it's, it's one of those, it's that tension between like, you know, the old, you know, the biblical parable, you know, teach a man, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, teach him how to fish, he'll eat forever. So like, I also don't want to be patronizing by go, well, here's your meal. And this was our good deed for the year. Like my vision for that is to, and we're kind of going off on a tear here and digressing, but I think this is an appropriate sideline here. I want to get a rucksack filled with first aid kits, tents, like life straws, the whole kit and caboodle where they can, if they don't have a home, maybe they can put a home on their back and actually live out of that bag until their situation gets better. Like, so I have this kind of full scope, idea about not only giving them a great night, but actually sending them on their way with more than when they had, when they came in. And I feel like when the timing's right, maybe I can talk to you and maybe we can, you can be a part of that somehow. I don't know how that would shake out, but I went to the good, uh, uh, what is the place on Mary street? Good shepherd center in grade eight. And we did a tour and we prepped the food for the homeless men. And then we ser- I used to go there. Yeah. And, and then we served it yeah. in I, it. I'm not there, but I used to go uh, to the food banks. To as as a person in need of food, you did. Yep. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I I took like probably I'd say a good two years. It was one of the best times of my life where mm-hmm. I was so dedicated to skateboarding that I just decided that I'm not really going to work. I'm just going to dedicate my time to building up my content, building up myself, um, and just skating. And like I'd work, and then I'd travel. Um, but yeah, like I, I couldn't afford like food all the time. So I had to go huh. and, and get food. 
like it was subsidized for sure. I was on assistance for a couple of years. Did that, um, you seem like a pretty pragmatic person, but did, did that bother you at all? Did you feel no, no, certain people, like I had roommates, like obviously pay rent and stuff, but I had roommates, some, I couldn't tell people I was opening up a skate shop and I had money from my dad, Mm -hmm. but you know, some people knew that. So they knew my, like what I was actually doing. Like they knew that I was basically like bootstrapping, grinding, getting content and getting prepared to build this up. And it took me years to build this up. That's so, that's so committed, man. Yeah. So I I basically, yeah, I was, I was, uh, you've been building, building in the shadows. Yep. Like the Sith. Yep. What, how old were you when you were doing that? Those two years? 20 through 22, 24. Wow. Wow. In and around that area. Why was it the best time of your life? And where were, and where were you in Canada when that was happening? I was here. You were in Hamilton. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about why that was so great. Well, kind of like a back backtrack to it is like, um, I was, I was in Aurelia and I wasn't doing the greatest. Um, what does that mean? Just partying and just like, we dropped a video, like, you know, like 30 to 50 people came. I worked so hard on this, this video for many years. And I was just like, I hit my pinnacle, right? I'm done. Like, what am I going to do here? Like people aren't supporting the way it should. Or they, or they just don't care. Um, I worked super hard, and so did everybody for this. Um, and I, did, I felt like I hit my max in Aurelia. So I came to uh, Hamilton, moved with a buddy of mine, Stuart. Um, so I was looking for my uncle, and I couldn't find him. So we were looking to get jobs. So I went to a, a job bank, and there he is, sitting in, in a thing. And we found my uncle. Wow. So then basically I was living with my dad. My dad, he's on and off, um, had uh, alcohol issues. Okay. Now clean, like, over 10 years. Right like, he's great. Um, but we just had, like, he's just like me. I'm just like him. So Ram's butting heads. Mm-hmm. So I basically moved in with my uncle. And my uncle was kind of on the same tip. We were just, like, you know, living our life grinding and um your uncle was yeah he's a skateboarder no he's a musician okay um and just like you know chilling living his life um so basically yeah like he kind of helped me with like learning that whole lifestyle of like minimal lifestyle okay like not having much like basically you know he was even a scrapper so i'd go out and help him like he'd go out and like scrap metal and stuff i'd i'd go out and help him a little bit it was hustling yeah hustling um but it's kind of the beauty of it and kind of the reason why I was the best is because it was on our time. Mm -hmm. We did what we wanted and nobody told us what to do. What was the biggest thing you took? What's the biggest takeaway in terms of what it added to you that you'll take on inside you forever? I'm willing to risk it all. I love it. And I I don't care what people think. It doesn't matter. Like, and and now from then to now, it's like, I knew that was going to happen. So most people didn't know. So when they see me in that position, it was it wasn't a good um, it wasn't a good reflection of myself. But I feel like you've kind of had this undercover agent kind of vibe where you're just like choosing to go down weird paths, knowing full well that the end result would end up you being established and situated in a good way. Yeah. You, you were get you were building cred. That's it for yourself, likely firstly, but but to to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you know what you're talking about. Yes. And I, oh, and I, it's kind of like obvious. It's like, you want to be this What's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to be this and you look up to this mm-hmm. and then you're going to go that way. Right. 
no, if I want to be this big company or this big skate shop, mm-hmm. or I want to be this big guy or whatever it is, then you have to mimic and then twist it in your own way. Yep. Cause you don't want to copy people. And, and so that's kind of, that's kind of what you yeah. do. So I just was like, okay, the, this is the level. So I have to shoot for that level. And I didn't, I didn't bottom out. I wasn't accepting yeah. not trying to be at that level. So everything I've done, I've tried to be at that level. Your trajectory is definitely one of the more unique ones that I've heard from people who, who have a brick and mortar business and how you got there. I mean, I've lived a million lives too. My, my life is likely not as, uh, intense or dramatic as yours was with, with how you got to where you are today. But, but the, the path was very crooked and very strange and very steep at times, but I kind of always knew yeah. that I'd land exactly where longevity in the game. Yeah, man. You have to be in it to win it. <sighs> how much do you think you were worth back then living? What were you, what, what was your per diem per day? What were you, what were you eating when you were not doing Straight, much? Straight like skater diet. So I, Pretty much three to four triple triples, Tim Hortons. Um, pack of smokes a day. And then depending, like at that time, ba- like bags of smokes. So my uncle would hook it up. Um, or just bump, bump smokes off people. Coffee and cigarettes is Coffee was your diet. Cigarettes was, and weed, probably about five, like at least a gram, five to a gram, poppers. You know, the, just hearing so your- So the answer is about 20 to 30 bucks. Okay. So hearing your story though, it's, it's, it even makes me rethink the people that you see panhandling or, or struggling on the street. Like how many of those are Jay Dworsky's that are like, man, I'm choosing to be here right now because I have, I have, I have something to accomplish. Not, not many, not many, not many. but, um, again, I'm digressing. One of these days I, I want to get someone who's on the street and I want to hear their story yeah. because it's going to be a fascinating one. 100%. There's so many great people. 100%. I think that, and I've always been that person where I want to talk to everybody, yeah. every culture. I'm yes. fascinated yes. with culture. Um, but yeah, you just you hear their story and hear what they're about. And it's like, you know, everybody's got a connection. The biggest thing is everybody's just too busy. They got to do this. They got to do that. This is this, this is that money, money, money. Like my dad taught me when I was young, like don't give them change, give them food, right? Give them free Tim Hortons right. coffees or bagels or whatever. Yeah. So I kind of knew like, I have a different outlook because I see it. I, I don't think it's, you know, it's their problem. It's, it's our government. It's, it's our city councilors. Like that's the problem. We got work to do. You can't expect the homeless as a whole or, or mental uh, illness or drug addiction for them to change. It's, it's the politicians. Yeah. And I, I've, I've been a big advocate of that. What's next for you? Uh, I'm kind of staying on this this streamline of like, I kind of downsized mm-hmm. and I want to, I want to stay focused for about like three or four years. I've had ideas. Uh, there's certain things I want to do, but I think right now it's just streamline, stay focused and just keep this going the way it is. Do you like, do you like owning the business more than you like being a skateboarder? Uh, now that's my tricks. That's my, that's <laughs> I love my it. thing is I love like, it. the more I, I succeed at business, that's my passion more than skateboarding, but I, I still have some in me and I, uh, I don't want to stop. You still as good as you were? Are you better? I'm injured right now. I've been injured for about two years, knee injury and my back's been messed up for a couple right. years, but I'm like on a serious program right now. I got so fed up that I'm, I, I'm done. So I work out about once, twice yeah. a day and stretch all day. Pain sucks. Yeah. Are you doing yoga? 
No, but I do like some crazy stuff. Shout out to uh, nose, uh, knees over toes. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Check them out. I got to have you back on because there's, there's a lot of questions that I know I'm not asking that I'm, that I want to know more about. And I think, I think people are going to really enjoy this chat because uh, it's genuinely illuminating um, because it's lifestyle. It's not skateboarding. It's like you said, it's, it's uh, a peek into a, a human thing. Are you, is your family proud of what you do? Yeah, for sure. My dad's always going to be like pushing me, pushing me and want me to do better. It's just the way he is. Yeah. Um, my mom's super proud of me. That's amazing, man. But like from where I came from to where I'm at now, it's a big change. Like I don't really party. Like I, I work. Like that's my thing. And even if I go on a trip, it's, it's generally. Work oriented? I'm, I'm working. I'm filming. I'm getting content. Are you surprised that you ended up the way that you ended up? There were times in my life I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I'm, I'm, I, it's probably not going to be good. I'm probably, I might be a bum or I might be this. And, and somehow, by the grace of God, I, I ended up on the right path. But was, was there, there were times where I'm like, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Never once. I was either going to borrow money from somebody that I shouldn't borrow money from or somehow my family or somebody was going to help me out. And my dad um, fell off the roof, broke his back paralyzed in a wheelchair what got money oh man i'm sorry i didn't know that's crazy when did that happen uh about 11 years ago and so he lost his ability to do his life's work and that is how the local is wow at least to start right for sure wow yeah it's crazy what's some of the biggest life lessons you've learned because you got a story yeah i mean the biggest thing is for me, it's there's so many different ones, but yeah. I think I think just remembering where you came from mm-hmm. and people that have you've surrounded yourself in that you know were not perfect and that um, to just remember what people do for each other, right? Because you see a lot of like switch up and like people getting bummed or upset or this and that. It's like, but we're human. Like no matter what what's going to happen, we're going to make mistakes, dude. I think you're going to be around for a long time uh, because your product is people. Uh, and not to be cliche or a cornball, but like you, authenticity in a genuine uh, heart, that is the, that is truly the greatest trick to business. You got people got to like you and they got to know that you give a shit. Yep. And uh, for the little bit of time that I've been around you, I've gleaned that. So kudos to you. I appreciate for, that. for doing that. And I mean that, uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, we're winding down. You mentioned to me, that you had a friend that teaches youngsters how to skate. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Gnarly's Kitchen, he's the homie. Nice. Um, I know I have like multiple, Brett Keon. Um, then there's also uh, Drew Fraser, but I don't know if he's actually going to be uh, doing it this year. He's back in school for a teacher. You said Gnarly's Kitchen? Is that He has Gnarly's like an Instagram Kitchen. account and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, check it out, Gnarly's Kitchen. And so he, I've never even thought about that being a thing, someone teaching kids how to skateboard. He does it right though. Nice, man. He does it affordable. He's about almost half cheaper than anybody else um he wants to make sure that you know all people can access it right uh and we work uh, great together like he gets me customers i give like i get emails almost every day every right other day like hey lessons 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 um but yeah there's like a network of them brett keon used to uh used to own uh, cbmk which is a yep. very famous uh, skate park down in um uh, mississauga he built tony hawk's ramp for really when, when he comes into toronto he builds his ramp um but he also uh, raised some of the greatest Ontario skaters of all time. Lee Yanku, John Koss, um, Ben Patterson. 
Uh, the list goes on and on and on and on. You mentioned when you're developing uh, riders. So you do you do that as so when you say develop, are you talking about giving them uh, a, like a brand deal and you kind of work with them with their career? Is that one of the things that you do as well? Or how does that work? What did you mean by that? The, like the thing with skateboarding is like to be successful, you have to not care. So the more, the more you're like, oh, I'm going to be this guy and I'm going to be pro and I want to get deals. Like in, in the main level, that's whack. Like it's never like that. The way it is, is that inside information on this one, is mm-hmm. the way it is, is me as a skate shop owner, I sell products. So if I sell a product, say Spitfire, right? Yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, okay, well, hook this guy up. So this guy's going to get hooked up. But if I don't buy stuff from that brand, right. then this guy's not going to get hooked up. Do it, man. Do it. Text me. Um, so basically, um, that, per- that person is going to get hooked up. And the more they get hooked up, then the more they get hooked up, it kind of builds from there. Canada is super slept on. It's very hard um, to... Uh, it's very hard to to make it in Canada as a skateboarder. Very, very, very hard. It's hard to do everything in Canada. Being a musician, it's hard. it's hard to break through the surf on certain things. Yep. So back to that yeah. conversation, um, the development of a skater is one of our fundamentals. Is we just make you know better people. Like hmm. we want to make sure that you're going to do something that's going to better yourself and better everything else. So not every skateboarder that comes on our skate team is going to be at a certain level than somebody else, but they bring something to the table. Right on. They're always going to bring something to the table. So, um, yeah, it's just about building the community and that's it. Like, and then from there on, you know, you have different sponsors and different brands and stuff like that and different opportunities. We do, you know, uh, demos for new parks opening up and stuff like that's that. That's cool. Can you get paid for that? Yeah, yeah, we get paid. That's amazing. So you're like a BMX team that comes to a yeah, park yeah. and you do tricks. And yeah, we've opened up many uh, Welland Skate Park. Never even think about that. Yeah, yeah. They, cities hit us up and they say, hey, like, wow. this is what you want. We want to open this up and uh, what can you do? And then I have like kind of a whole package where it's like we do this, this, this. Hmm. And, like, we, and we pay photographers, filmers. Like wow. That's one thing that uh, not too many shops do or, or really can because of budget. Um, right. But we make sure we try to uh, take care of like as many people as possible. Dude, you're a beast. Um, you enjoy, do you look forward to going to work every day? It's not work. I love it. It's not work. You're so zen, man. You're just giving everybody like the, <laughs> the peace signs, pass and pass. It's funny. I feel like... Uh, you know where this thing originated in California. The that surfer, not aesthetic, but ethos of just like laid back, going with the flow thing. It, it's it's incredible how it's permeated through the years and through the geography and and crossed cultural lines. That I still see that thing, like that Santa Monica, California thing in this laid back etiquette that seems to be in this this skating culture even as even as close as hamilton what is that it's different it's different for everybody i think like the vibe of skateboarding is that you're there to have a good time yeah and that's it for me it's like i've been through so many stressful things like you know how it goes not everybody's gonna see what goes behind closed doors so over the years even when I've, i've gotten anxiety before it's like I can't let these things affect me. Like these things come and go. You know what I mean? Money's money. It's going to be there no matter what. So it's more or less, um, 
just the experiences I go through life, mm-hmm. knowing that just relax, chill, take it easy. You don't have to stress. Like things will be okay. They'll work themselves out. You work hard. That's the way it's going to be. Yep. I agree. Do you guys, do you do like a community meetup and then I'll go to a park somewhere? Depending. We have contests. We have different things. We do different events at the skate shop. Right on. Um, go skate day, June 21st. Everybody meets up with these. Last couple questions. Who was your hero growing up in the skateboard, skateboarding Chad world? Muska. Yeah. All day. Yeah. I've, was, got, I've got to meet him. Nice. Um, we've talked many times, signed some shoes for the new shop. What was it about him? Just vibe. Yeah. He's one of the greatest uh, street skaters and just like his style. Like, I don't think I've really switched my style off since I've seen him since I was a kid. That's when you know you know nothing about something because you know someone who's embedded in a cultural thing. They see those nuances and those details. And for most people, you're just seeing a skateboarder. But it's like a, a guitarist watching a guitar player go, no, man, he's not just playing a guitar. He's got a style. He's got a vibe. He's got a vibrato. It, it, that's, that's, I love that there's that cultural rift with me and you. I know nothing about that, but that's so real to you. Mm. Um, okay, so people who want to find you in terms of address, your socials, all that jazz, how do, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, we're on uh, James Street North uh, 343, um, parking on Murray, uh, the dot local. Uh, the dot local at hotmail.com email uh, the local skate shop dot ca is our website and our instagram and if you put a local skate shop sticker on your car <laughs> do not park in a handicap spot on beach road you will get yelled at <laughs> uh jay thank you um we did it. We did it in about an hour and 15, 13 minutes and nice. i still feel like there's more to, to cover but maybe down the road we can do more but uh I honestly, man, I'm not going to see a skate park or a skater the same way again. Like you've, you've made me rethink some things and I have great respect for, uh, for that. And the fact that you have been doing this so long purely because you love it. Like that's a testament. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. Skateboarding is the best. I mean, skateboarding is what gave me everything. And if you go to a skate park, you're going to get friends. I love that. Skateboarding is what gave me everything. If you go skateboarding park, you will get friends. You heard it, man. Community. That's what it is. Jay Dworsky of the local. Now is now is it the local skate shop or is it local skate shop? I want to, I want to the local skate shop. Okay. All right. Go see, go see my boy Jay at the local skate shop and uh, start skating. You big dummies. Yeah. Jay, thanks so much, man. No worries. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Thanks man. Respect. Thanks guys. <laughs>